Hello, I'm John Kenny, the Relationship Guy, and Relationship Coach, helping people to create healthy, intimate relationships. Welcome to the show, the show where we talk about all things relationships with a mix of my own relationship ramblings and some great guests from all walks of life who will be discussing the importance of relationships to them. Hello, so my guest today is an emotional release practitioner and self-healing expert specializing in the energetics of mind-body healing. Welcome to the show, Jen Russman. Hello, John. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Thank you for joining me. You're New York, right? I am New York, not New York City, but I am in New York. People always get so excited. Oh, you're in New York City. I'm like, no. <laughs> New York State. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. New York State, yes. Awesome. Yep. So thank you very Amazing. much for joining me across the pond today. Um, so that was obviously a very brief introduction um, about what you do. So if you'd just like to tell the listeners a bit more about yourself and how you help people. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. Um, like you said, I am an emotional release practitioner. And I specialize in clearing emotional blocks and releasing energetic attachments out of the body because it, you know, science is catching up to what ancient wisdom has known all along, which is like, when you look at trauma, trauma gets stored in the body mm-hmm. in three ways, cellular memory, it gets stored through emotional suppression, and then these energetic attachments. And so that's pretty much the work that I do is I I work with um, clients who have a history of different traumas and trauma is an umbrella term, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and so I work with them to release the energetic attachments as well as the emotional blocks out of their bodies, because these emotions that become trapped in the body oftentimes create um, discomfort and become very disruptive. Yeah in our lives and, you know, emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally. Yeah. So that's what well, I'm up to these days. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing, actually. I mean, it's, uh, it is. <laughs> yeah. And, the, and the, the, I like the, uh, the kind of the energy side of it as well that you say that the, the fact that, you know, it, it's, I'm sure people know that, uh, that where, that where trauma can have a huge impact on, on not just the time that it happens, but how the subsequent impacts on that, on your life. Yes. Um, and, and the fact that you look at it in, in different ways, could you tell us a little bit about those different ways that you look at the trauma and how you help people to, to um, don't let go, move on? How, how would you describe it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's really about, um, you know, as, as you know, and probably most of our listeners know, you know, that one change in perspective can change everything, right? One change in our understanding or perspective or our perception. Mm-hmm. And so, when, when we begin to realize and, and understand that everything is energy is everything, that trauma itself is an energy, mm-hmm. whether it's a physical trauma, sexual, emotional, mental, whatever the trauma may be, yeah. it is an energy and our emotions are energy. So when you look at the word emotion, you break it out to E-motion, it's energy in motion. So the way that I see, because you, you can't separate emotions and trauma, like they go hand in hand. Right. Um, so the way I see it is that we have these emotions that we experience in the exact moment of the trauma events or subsequent being triggered over and over. Right. Mm -hmm. And so these emotions that are not processed properly, 
are not able to complete their cycle of motion through and out of the body. So they become lodged and bound and trapped, and then they build up and they become very, very disruptive. And then they prevent somebody like me, who's maybe spending years, if not decades, like me doing the work, showing up for themselves yeah. so that they can feel better and they can be free from the past. And oftentimes what happens like me is you show up, you do all this work, you do all these things, but the energy is the one piece that's been ignored because it's not understood or it's not known about like me. So, uh, you know, that was what ultimately set me free. Finally was releasing myself of those energetic attachments that were still tethering me to those childhood events. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. So can you tell us a little bit about that story then your own, yeah. um, your own sort of trauma that you experienced and then what got stuck within within you and then tell us a little bit how you were able to release that we need all day to talk about what got stuck (laughs) (laughs) i had over 300 releases right okay yes that i released out of myself um but you know my my trauma started age three you know sexual trauma from a family member and Mm -hmm. It went on until probably age 10. Right. Um, and at age three, I did tell my mom and <clears throat> she, she thought, I don't want to get into all the details, but basically I wasn't protected, right? Like sh- she tried to handle it on her own and by handling on her own, it was not handling it. Right. So, um, yeah. so I, I was double traumatized, if you will, there were two traumas, the the sexual trauma, and then the trauma of not being protected. And so um, what ended up happening for me was I internalized that experience as meaning that I don't matter, I'm not enough, I don't count. And so that was the story that I carried with me. And I learned to live out over and over and over again. Um, So I learned secrecy and emotional suppression very, very early. And that became how I, how I lived. I suppressed everything. And then that Mm -hmm. ultimately turned into addiction when I found alcohol at age 12. Um, So years of addiction Mm -hmm. and the, the self-harm that goes along with addiction, their alcohol, some drugs. And uh, I hit bottom end of my 24th year, got sober. And then about four years into sobriety, I'm thawing out. Mm -hmm. And I was, I, I was hit with a diagnosis of MS. Like my body just fell apart wow. and it seemed like it was out of left field at the time I was 29 years old. And, um, but looking back now, I clearly recognize that it was not my body just falling apart randomly. It was my body's cry for help that I had mm-hmm. been, my body had been carrying the weight through cellular memory, through emotional suppressions, and then all these energetic attachments. Yeah. And so by the age of 29, my body was like, um, hello, Jen, like, <laughs> we need attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately it took me another seven years of living sick, disabled and homebound before I, I had my divine intervention and woke up and decided to, to take my life back and heal. Wow. wow. Yeah. So that all of that trauma build up then manifested in your MS. Absolutely. And I guess and that also what... created your, your truth as well, I guess, at the time. So if you thought what you believed about yourself as a child, what you said earlier on, so if you had MS and you were disabled and you couldn't live your life to your fullest ability, I guess that was a, a physical symptom of your, of your core belief as well. Absolutely. I don't matter. Mm. So it doesn't matter if I'm laying here on the couch, who cares? Mm. Or in bed, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know that I ever really looked at it that way, but yeah, absolutely. Because mm. that manifested everywhere in my life. Right. And so what did, then what did you, how did you realize what you said that you had this uh, kind of a breakthrough moment where you thought I need to do something about this? Yeah. You know, I, I woke up at the age of 36 and something I, now looking back, I, I've always called it a divine intervention. Like the mm -hmm. night before I didn't go to bed saying, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and change my overhaul, my whole belief system. And I'm going to heal. Like that's not what yep. happened. I just woke up at 36. My son was two. I was struggling to take care of him. You know, IVs and home care nurses and very, very sick. And I just, I looked around and basically I was looking around at my mess. And it was a moment of, um, of like this activation, the switch just flipped inside of me. And I heard a voice that said, this isn't it. I'm not going to live sick anymore. I'm done. Like I was done. I'm done with this mess. I'm going to get better. I'm going to heal. Mm -hmm. And um, I had no clue how I was going to do that. I just knew that it, it was my new truth. Like it landed in me. And so what needed to happen next was I had to be willing to um, take radical responsibility. Like it was a moment of clarity and, and radical responsibility that I am a powerful creator. I created this mess and I can re recreate myself out of it. So you just completely owned that. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's radical responsibility, owning all of it. Yeah. Yep. That's a very interesting. I actually had a, a colleague of mine who in when I was a therapist and she had MS as well. Mm. And she had some kind of uh, energy clearing therapy. And she went from not being able to work at all and see clients to within six months being back at work and having a full diary again. So it's amazing the what can happen actually when, when you are able to get the right type of intervention or do that intervention yourself, as you said, there to kind of create a new story for yourself and, and take that ownership of what's going on in your life and, and do something with that. Yeah, because I played the victim role for so long. Right. I always joked around that um, I have an empty spot on my fireplace mantle waiting for the, the Oscar that I won for playing the victim. It got lost in the mail somewhere. I'm still waiting for it. It hasn't shown up. <laughs> so yeah, I was very, very um, A plus student for playing right. the victim. And I guess you were a victim as a child, weren't you? You were, I was. you know, and, and to see yourself in that space as a child where you are completely hopeless, defenseless, disempowered, um, and, and you carried that through your adult life. Absolutely. Yeah. But once you, once you reach a certain point, you're now an adult and mm. you, know, you can only point the finger and blame so long if you, yeah. if you want to heal and feel better. Yeah. I mean, but you have to want that more than, you know, you want to be right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and how, how did you transition from that space? Cause it feels, you know, like you said, it took you kind of six years of with the MS to, so how did you how did you shift from that space of being a victim to a space of being uh, imp empowered? Uh, I lost everything. Right. <laughs> my um, it had been almost seven years, and my first marriage disintegrated, fell apart, mm -hmm. and my first career was gone. I lost I was lost that job because of the disability. I had a business that I had started, lost that, so I lost everything. And, um, you know, it's that, that season in life where you're just, just stripped down, <laughs> you know, just stripped around, everything's stripped away. And yeah. there I was left with me, myself and 
all of my baggage, if you will, mm-hmm. um, still need attending to. And so losing all of that, looking back now, I recognize created the space for me to go in, in a much deeper way and to really start extracting, you know, and, and, and claiming what is mine, letting go, what isn't mine mm-hmm. and, and doing the work to, um, to recognize that, you know what, I, I don't have to, I'm not a victim. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing um, somebody say, there are no victims, only volunteers. Okay, interesting. And I remember feeling really, really angry when I heard that. Mm-hmm. So I was so protective. And this yeah. is what I see with my clients. We're so protective of our labels and our diagnoses. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. we become yeah. very, because it's our story. It's who, it's like, becomes who we are. It's yeah. what we identify as. Mm. And then the meaning that we attach to that identity, right? And so we've yeah. been very protective of it. And mm. um, yeah. And there's a resistance there because you've defined yourself as that person for such a long time. It's become your identity. It's a very hard yeah. thing for some people to let go of. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the, in my, I've been on this personal development journey um, it's over 27 years. So mm. at least 27 years now. And the most, the, like the scariest question I ever answered for myself is mm-hmm. who am I mm-hmm. without the story? If I let that story go, who yeah. am I? What's left? Yeah. And I still kind of get that like feeling like, you know, like, Ooh, yeah. I remember like it was, it was an overwhelming terror of, mm-hmm. wow. If I let that story go, if I don't matter, I don't count. I'm not enough. Who am I? What's left? Yeah. Yeah. Again, that massive kind of identity sort of shift isn't there mm-hmm. yeah I remember when I did my own it was it was a lot easier than that <laughs> it was like catharsis when I realized I could let go of the story and start to tell myself something new uh when I was seeing a coach uh, about 10 years ago now I think it was um it was it was a catharsis it was just a kind of a, emotional dump a release of so many restrictions and uh, the things that were holding me back. It did, then took me a while to implement the changes I needed to make, but it was like a, a moment of realization where I thought, wow, I can actually tell myself a different story. I don't need, right? to, do, I don't need to do this anymore. I know. It's, mm. it, and we, we know what we know. I remember when I first got into 12-step recovery and at my first AA meeting, they said, you don't have, you don't ever have to drink again. And I was like, I don't have to drink. Like that thought never occurred to me. You know what I mean? Like we're in these little, these little boxes and um, I had to take that box off of my head. Like I was walking around with the box on my head and on that box was written all of the words that represented the story and the identities and the labels and the diagnoses. You were so attached to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was, that was the problem for me. And that's the problem I see with a lot of my clients is, you know, we're, we're doing the work, we're doing the counseling, we're doing the 12 step recovery. We're, working the steps, we're doing all these things, tapping, you know, yoga, meditation, gong bass, like, you <laughs> name it. You know, yeah. I showed up for myself and yeah. yet there I was, I just couldn't quite shake it. I, I mean, mm. I had healed. I'm not saying like I hadn't done any, any healing. I didn't feel better. Mm. I did, but I still right. felt stuck in, you know, just weighed down. Like I couldn't shake that. Mm. And it wasn't until the energy came into my life, the energy work that um, that's what set me free. And so, you know, I don't believe there's a one size fits all when it comes to healing, Yeah. but to ignore the energy piece, even when we think about mindset work and changing our mindset and our Mm. beliefs, how we think mindset work can feel like a full-time job. 
you know, it's do my affirmations, ugh, you know, like all these things we have to do just to get our mindset to a certain point. And I found after doing the energy clearing work, like clear your energy and then the mindset work becomes so much easier mm -hmm. because you're not, you're not blocked. Yeah. An energetic level. Yeah. It's, it's difficult to raise that positive mindset level, isn't it? If you've got a heavy, heavy emotional energy, that's, that's keeping yep. you stuck in place. Absolutely. You're going to keep letting, it's always going to return to, yeah. So it's going to drag you down to a certain point, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, it's all the depressions and the anxieties and the shame and the guilt and, you know, all anger and resentments. Mm. And well, I mean, I can go on and on. There's so many emotions that become trapped in the body yeah. and, um, and they also get trapped in the, in the energy body or chakras as well. So, um, yeah. But can you tell me a little bit about the energy cleansing that you did to kind of help you to, to let go finally? Yeah, I, um, I had a, a deep surrender in October, 2019. And, um, that's when, you know, the universe put some energy workers on my path. And, mm. um, cause I was like, what's wrong with me. And the, you know, the universe is like, nothing's wrong with you, kid. You're just energetically attached. Here's some energy workers, you know? <laughs> and, um, they showed up in my path and I worked with a couple of them. And, um, one of them, I had such a profound experience. I just, I had a soul's recognition, like, this is what I'm here to do. This mm -hmm. is, this is 50 years. I was 50 years old at the time. This is a couple of years ago. Yeah. And, um, I'm like, I finally know what I'm here to like my soul's purpose, my soul. Right. Purpose. And so, um, and it's all about identifying emotions, what the emotion is, mm -hmm. where it's trapped in the body. Yeah. Oftentimes there's, we have a heart wall. So the body will use these, these energetic balls that house these emotions, if you will. Um, as building resources and it will build a wall, protective wall to protect us from being hurt around our heart. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of heart opening. There's a lot of um, heart clearing and, and chest opening work and um, really, really just the weight. I can't stress enough the weight that gets lit. Like you just feel like all this weight has been lifted out of you. Mm -hmm. um, when you, you know, locate what the emotions are, where in the body they're trapped, what age they became trapped. Right. Yeah. And then, um, and then releasing them and the releases, what, I, what really turned me on to this was the releasing it's instant. They're instantly released and it's permanent. They never, they don't come back. They're gone. Like once you release them, you're free of them. That sounds amazing. It is. Yeah. And I love the permanency of it. Yeah. That's definitely, and again, people like you said, if it's something that people can let go of for good after carrying it around for however long, and I guess in your case, a lot of it carrying around since you were very young, um, must have been a completely freeing type experience. I call it a sacred rebirth. I right. just felt like I experienced a sacred rebirth. Mm -hmm. And you know, I always say, like, what I've and I say this because this is what I've learned is when the body can let go, we can let go right so when your body can let go you can let go mm. you like i wanted to let go so badly but mm. my body was like still still stuck like it needed it couldn't yeah. let go i needed help yeah. facilitating the, the release yeah. and because yeah. this is obviously the relationship guys show mm -hmm. there's a huge significance i feel there in around your relationships you know considering what you said right at the beginning about the relationship with your mom and how that materialized and obviously the relationship with the person that was abusing you the significance of relationships to you in your life how would you describe 
the impacts that those have had and and how how have you kind of managed to um create relationships in your life based on maybe those early experiences that weren't so healthy yeah um absolutely you know i, I love my parents i had wonderful parents i had a, i had a, other than that i had like an amazing childhood um but i did grow up in a house where you know from my mother's side was you know at least this is my perspective perspective on it perception was don't talk about it it doesn't exist so okay. sweep it under the rug right you don't yep. see it yep. it doesn't exist um and i and i listened to her and in back and forth with my dad you know she tried to express herself and then he would say something and she would oh never mind it doesn't matter it doesn't matter like i don't you know her that was her version of i don't matter right so mm -hmm. i i witnessed that growing up and then from my dad um he was one who uh he didn't know he was more comfortable with the computer than he was with people you know um so he because of how he was you know it's just generational right so he wasn't expressive i never heard i love you i wasn't close with him growing up i didn't have that doting father figure and i had a mom who um you know pretty much suppressed everything so me going out into the world into relationships that completely affected how I perceived myself in the world, but in relation to and with other people. So when you're, when you're drinking and you're suppressing and you're self-harming, you're not making the best decisions. And so you're surrounding yourself with certain types of people who are also living from a wounded place. Yep. Right. Yep. And so you have two people living from wounded place coming together yeah. You know, it's, it makes for a lot of dysfunction. It makes for a lot of emotional suppression. It makes for a lot of, you know, mental or emotional abuse. It makes it, it it's just, it's the perfect storm. Uh -huh. And so I oftentimes found myself and not even just intimate relationships in dating and marriage, but uh -huh. friendships, you know, the, the people that I would form these friendships with. Yeah. Um, victim, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so there's a similar pattern with all the relationships that you were experiencing, yeah, yeah. And because I, you know, we teach people how to treat us, so mm -hmm. I, I didn't have the the value, I didn't hold my own value for myself, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. um, the way that I do now, like I have that today, and mm -hmm. what a gift, right? But for many, many years, I didn't have that, and I didn't, I didn't know how. I wasn't taught. I wasn't shown. I wasn't, mm. I wasn't given, you know, the guidance no. how to value myself and my worth, yes. especially with dating and men. Yeah. Well, I think you were taught or shown the opposite in some way, weren't you? Like you said, we've part away from the abuse, which is going to have a, a serious impact on your idea of relationships and relating anyway, and how you relate to yourself. But like yeah. you said, there was this, no one really heard you. You weren't for validated for what you were going through. You didn't have anybody to kind of make you feel special in that way because no one was helping you through what you were struggling with. Yeah. Yeah. You nailed it because for me, you know, I heard that voice. I, if I had, if I had a dollar for every time I heard this voice, I'd be like a billionaire. And it was, you know, I, I never, I didn't feel like what I think and feel doesn't matter. What I think and what I feel doesn't matter. Mm. 
I'd be a billionaire. Every time <laughs> that went through my head. So, um, yeah. And yeah. That, that's sad, you know? Yeah, very sad. Very sad. To live, to, to live out from that that belief, that voice. Yeah. It's interesting. And when we spoke about coming on the show, you actually described your your personal relationships. You said your picker was broken. Oh, you wrote down. <laughs> yes, that was a good joke. Yeah, that was yeah. a joke me, my my girlfriend's had with early recovery. It was oh, my picker's broken. Yeah, and I think that's a good phrase because it is, isn't it? I mean, it's interesting that you're taking again, you're taking responsibility for your choices in that space as well, aren't you? Because when we attract difficult relationships one after the other, I remember when I was in my uh, I wouldn't, you know, I could say victim space. Every time this, these things happened in these relationships, I was like, look what's happened again. And I didn't own that at all. It, I had no idea of the concept that actually it was something that I was doing that was bringing all of these unhealthy relationships into my own life. Um, but actually my picker was broken too. Um, the people yeah. I was allowing in. And you, like you said, with friendships, as well as your romantic relationships, you were attracting a certain type of person that was attracted to your victim. Absolutely, and it's energy. I mean, the victim, that, that's an energy. So, you know, like attracts like when it comes to energy. So with your relationships then, were you picking people that would take advantage of your victim? So they were more of a abuser space and then you would then kind of recreate your abused space and be the victim in that yeah it was really toxic and mm -hmm. I had a really and, and I discovered this doing my my step work and I, I I'm going to share this because when I do share this people so many people often just so identify that with this but I had this really messed up roundabout way of feeling good and because you know it's always like well what's the payoff like okay I'm the victim I'm the victim. So what's the payoff of being the victim? I couldn't see that. I'm like, what do you mean the payoff, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the payoff of being the victim meant that I, I was right because mm -hmm. you wronged me. So I get to be right. So that's mm -hmm. like self-righteous, right? Yeah. So then it's like, okay, I'm right. So what's the payoff of being right? And it was like, oh, if I'm right, then that means I'm in control. Because mm -hmm. see, I'm the victim. You wronged me. Mm -hmm. You're wrong. I'm right. So now I'm in control because then I decide if and when I'm going to forgive you and how I'm going to forgive you. Mm. Really like self-righteous yeah. ego, right? And yeah. then this is where I got stuck. So it's like, well, what's the what's the payoff for being in control? Mm -hmm. And finally, with the help of my sponsor, and we cried when I broke through this. It was like, oh, as long as I'm in, I'm, I always get emotional. As long as I'm in control, mm. I'm okay. okay. I'm safe. I'm okay. Does being in control also validate that that part of you that didn't feel validated at all? Because I guess if you're right, you're saying I'm right. There's something quite powerful in that statement, isn't there? And when you've completely de devalued yourself your whole life, absolutely. And I and I also recognized at one point in my healing work that you know I, I was I always joke like I was a right fighter to the death, you know. Mm. But what I what I extracted from that eventually, and that what I learned about that for myself is you know what being right was my way of feeling heard and unfortunately other people got hurt <laughs> mm. through my own process to feel heard but um mm. including myself but that's oh, really what sure. yeah you were just you were hurt. hurting yourself over and over and over again weren't you yeah so when that lead led to sort of the relationships that you 
you chose um how have you been able to change that relationship with yourself and then what kind of people now do you attract towards you yeah you know when my first marriage ended um when that ended had it gotten pretty pretty toxic those last couple of years and, mm-hmm. um, and so everything was gone you know my whole life that i had built up in recovery was gone and there i was me myself my baggage my two-year-old and you know it was just i didn't have any more distractions you know i think oftentimes we we surround ourselves with the drama and the chaos because it just it's distracting. It's the perfect distractor mm. from looking at ourselves and, and doing the work and going within and taking personal responsibility. Yeah. Because I, you know, and and I never thought I was an angry person, but you know what? My anger shown like it, a lot of it was through the depression. I was I imploded it against myself. Mm. So I attracted and I called in people who were outwardly angry. Like my first husband was a rager, like a rager. I would be curled up in fetal position on the couch and he'd be screaming, raging at me, over me. And so that was a way looking back, it's like, wow, like you're sick, like you need help. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was such a distractor. Yeah. And I I mean, I can laugh about it now. It was very Mm -hmm. painful and dark when I was in it and I didn't get it at the time. But um, I, I get it now. I see it now, you know? Mm. And so removing all of those distractions and, and after that, after he left and that relationship came to an end, that was that turning point for me where I made that, I made power of decision. And I decided, you know what? I, I decided to clean house and I started just removing the toxic friends and relationships that I had in my life at that point. And I, and I think also, John, it took having my son Mm -hmm. because what I learned through having my son by the time he was two was that I was willing to do for him what I wasn't willing to do for myself in that marriage and in those friendships, which was really, I needed to, to love myself enough to not tolerate what was, was going on. So that was, that was a real mirror for me was seeing my little two-year-old and recognizing like, do I want him to grow up witnessing, you know, what's going on here? And so I was able to, to do it for him, which ultimately was doing it for me. Yeah. That's amazing. It's it's, that it, you're able to kind of say, okay, this is important enough for me to stop this now because I don't want him to grow up having this experience. And then how did you then look at yourself at that point? Because I guess if you were then doing it for your son, what was, was that, was that just the kind of step of time to look at yourself or that was just the start of your exploratory journey type thing? It was so painful, but it was so empowering. It was mm. so freeing because like when you're bogged down with it and I'm, I'm specifically remembering not only that, that my husband at the time, but this, my best friend, if you will, best friend, if you will, she was very toxic. Yeah, and I remember her being. It was shortly after he left, and she was on the phone and really mad at me. I wasn't doing, or I don't even remember what it was, but she wasn't getting for me what she was demanding. And then she threatened to kill herself, and I was like, it was like a light bulb. I was like, goodbye, Emory, and I hung up the phone, and I never right. talked. To him. Okay, and it was just moments like that, like mm-hmm. everything changed because I recognized that this toxicity affects me my energy, my emotional state, and that mm. drips down to my son. 
and he's going to pick up on that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was was just experiences like that. Just kind of one by one, I was presented with these opportunities. Took them. Somehow I just took them. And I think that's an extreme response from your friend is probably quite uncommon, but it just goes to show, doesn't it? They were only in their only concerned about their space. You were trying to explain to them what you needed from the relationship, but because you were trying to sort of change the way the relationship functioned, they went straight to emotional blackmail, manipulation, Absolutely. threat, um, yeah, try and get you to remain in the space that you're in. It's like, it, it's ridiculous when you hear it out loud. Yeah. Like, I was like, my husband had just left a month earlier. So it was really shortly right after he had left. Yeah. I was like, I got nothing to give. And you want, I don't even remember what it was. It was something stupid, I'm sure. Most definitely. (laughs) You were trying to shift away from what he wanted, right? Yeah. How did you manage that? Because it's something that comes up quite a lot in the coaching I do when I'm working with people in this space of creating healthier relationships and the people they need to let go of. There's a resistance, isn't there, to let go of these relationships because, again, they're, they're your normal, but also there's that fear of who do I then have in my life? And it's, yeah. it can be quite difficult for some people to go, I need to let go of this relationship before I create a new relationship. And we know that's why some people just jump from one relationship to the next because they think they're breaking away from the person that's causing them the harm but have a tendency then just to jump into another relationship that's just as harmful but they don't want to be on their own. They don't want to go through that transition period of saying goodbye to the the past and the friends and relationships aren't doing them any good and then transitioning into actually creating healthier relationships and bringing other people towards them. How did you manage that space? A loaded question. Woo. Um, Yeah. So it's taking me back to, wow, I'm like right back there. So I, I remember one night, I was in so much pain that first six months to a year that my husband had left. And um, I would be up at night. My son would be sleeping. I'd be up at night and I would just be crying and I'd be talking out loud to God, to the universe. And I was just, and this one night I was just like, why am I here again? Like, why, why? this is like happening all over again. And the pattern was that the other person would pick up and take the relationship and walk out the door. And I didn't have a say. That was my experience each time. Yeah. And well, we all know where that comes from. Right. Uh-huh. And, you know, the answer I got back that night, I heard loud and clear was this is your opportunity to do it differently. Because all the other times, like you just talked about, I had self-harmed and I had numbed out and I, you know, through alcohol or sexing or, you know, whatever it was jumping mm-hmm. into another relationship. And, and it's interesting because people I had some people in recovery be like, oh, you know, he's, he's screwing around. You should go screw around, you know, like have some fun. And I just like, I was just in a, I was a mom, you know, I had a two-year-old and I really, really attribute so much of it. Like I, he was my, he's my angel boy. He's 19 now, but, um, (laughs) you know, he was my angel boy at that time. And, and he, it's for us. And so, um, just those messages that I would get through those moments in the middle of night, you know, talking to to God of my understanding and um, having things come through for me, even like I remember in the kitchen, I was cooking and I was just like, how do I, how do I move forward? Like, how do I move forward? And, um, and it, I don't even know. I just, 
I lost my train of thought, but I, I would just have these messages because I, I hear messages all like just messages come through. And I just recognize like it's there for a reason. I'm, I need to listen to it. Like I'm ready. I'm ready. Like for me, it's always about the gift of desperation. I'm in enough pain yeah. where I'm ready to some, some level of surrender yeah. that, you know, maybe, maybe Jen's way isn't the best way. <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe it's time to and try that it. desperate in that space that you recognize you yeah. needed to let go before you could move on. Absolutely. And so that was really the first time in my life that I took time for me. Yeah. And I made that commitment to myself. And, and I think it came through because I made the commitment to myself that in the end, when all is said and done, whether we end up divorced or back together, whatever the outcome is, regardless, I want to come out the other side of this experience with my side of the street clean. Mm-hmm. that was the intention I set for myself through that whole mess Yeah, was I'm going to keep my side of the street clean. Yeah, And I did like, I really, really did it. And I think every time that I, I made the, the healthier decision versus the dysfunctional one, every opportunity I got in that experience, just another layer of confidence, another layer of confidence, another layer of empowerment, mm-hmm. another layer of freedom, yeah. another layer of self-love. Yeah amazing great yeah. great great work great work that you've done on yourself and i'm sure how you help people too um before we sort of move on to finish up today i'm just going to uh, ask you about the frequency meditation that you're going to be offering as a freebie and how people can get hold of that yeah absolutely so um <clears throat> oh, so so amazing yeah, this frequency meditation came through. Um, I was on a a spiritual retreat, virtual retreat in December of 2020. And question was posed, like basically to channel, like what's the message for yourself for 2021? And then what's the message for the collective, if you will, 2021? And I kept hearing a return to love, a return to love for 2021 for the collective. But it also ended up being for me as well. So right. I, I just got the idea, you know, I love, I love frequency. I love vibration. I love the Hertz frequencies and the frequency meditations. So I hired a musician to create a frequency meditation um, that I call a return to love. And it's really, really about coming home to yourself first, because there can't be a return to love to the collective until each one of us returns home with love ourselves amazing and how people that's what that's about and how can people get get that from you they um if they go to jenrussman.com mm-hmm. um they can send me a message i don't have my link set up yet <laughs> i'm working on that now but if yep. they want to reach out to me on my website um please do it's jenrussman.com and they can send me a quick message and i will shoot it right over to them awesome yeah. i'll make sure that's all in the show notes um yes to, to uh, get your details uh another thing is i I've, i mentioned to you before that sometimes i'm i'm going to start taking some snippets from uh the podcast recordings of video recordings and start to put them onto the youtube channel and definitely i need to put something on because your background uh that you're sitting in front of is absolutely amazing 
Um, it's definitely not for audio only. So um, just to describe, could you just describe it quickly to the listeners? Because it's it's been catching my eye the whole way through the conversation. Oh, thank you. I love my background. Yeah. I mean, that literally is the universe behind me. Mm. And um, I have my own live show called Genergy Vibes. And so I'm all about energy, frequency, vibration. And um, and so I what more, how more fitting than to have the universe behind me for yeah. my, my show. Amazing. You could sit there and stare at it for hours, I would imagine. It's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Mm, and then my son came up with the idea. He's all into lighting. Um, mm-hmm. Can't tell right now, but it's I got purple light bulbs. So it kind of gives, a, I used to have two and it gave a nice purple backlighting uh, to it too. Yeah, it is yeah. beautiful. Absolutely beautiful, um, in my opinion. <clears throat> okay, so thank you very, Great very much it. for being so open today. It's been a fascinating conversation. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of things that the listeners will have engaged with and, and maybe related to and have taken away. Uh, if you do want to get hold of Jen's meditation, please do get in touch with her uh, via her website. Um, and just take this opportunity to thank you once again for being on the show. Um, and do you have any kind of parting words for the listeners before we disappear? Well, thank you so much, John having me today and, um, it's been a, a wonderful conversation and um you know parting words i mean you're you're worth doing the work you're I mean, that's that's always my message like you matter and you're worth you're worth all of it like everything i've been through it's all it's all been worth it to come out the other side and, and you can't like there's hope you can come out the other side and I think something really important that you said uh, while you were talking as well is that there's it, some, not everything will suit everybody, but there's always going to be something for somebody. So whichever, whatever you're struggling with, whether it's working with a coach or working with an energy healer, whether it's working with a therapist, you know, there's always something that can help you. Absolutely. And, you know, I always say there's no one size fits. I think I said earlier, no one size fits all mm-hmm. for healing. Right. Like, you get to decide what your healing looks like and feels like. And so I view a holistic approach as all encompassing, like taking a little of this and a little of that. And and it could be medication and it could be, you know, all natural stuff and it could be therapy and it could be energy work. It doesn't mean it has to be all natural or all, you know, all one way or the other, like, you know, finding what works for you, what feels right for you and tuning in because the answers are not, up here in our in our head the answers are from the neck down they're in our bodies and the more we can learn to drop into our bodies and tune in and listen to our inner knowing and feel the sensations and what our body's saying to us the more that we will experience like amazing healing thank you very much jen lovely to speak to you um thanks everyone for listening and i'll see you on the next episode of relationship Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, follow and review the show. That is very much appreciated. And please do reach out if you would like to know more about how you can create healthy, intimate relationships in your life. I will leave you with this quote from Carl Bond. Although we can't go back and make a brand new start, we can start now and make a brand new ending. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Relationship Guide.